Yo, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, I can. Why is my name breaking records? Uh, I guess that's what you do, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just switched it. Oh, you know what it is? It's my old, old Gmail email. Ah, okay. All right, so I think we're good to go. Um, we are streaming, uh, just in case anyone wants to catch it live, but I'm going to record it, and then it'll get posted up, up on my Patreon, and then I'll upload the audio to Spotify, and so anyone can listen to it after this. But. Sick. Um, Ryan Oaks, man, appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to me. Um, I know we don't know each other super well. Um, I've kind of seen you along the road uh, as another artist doing really well. And then I saw today your post for 100 million streams, which is yeah. fucking insane. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm just I'm glad you're here and just wanted to get to know you a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me, dude. I know that you've been tagging me on your like release radar stuff for right. like quite a while and I appreciate it. You'd be surprised how like little people do that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's when I started seeing your name come up more and more was on my release radar and I kept tagging you like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get to meet this guy and talk to him a little bit. Um, but yeah, man. So I really just want to get to know who you are and like kind of your story. Uh, sure. This, this podcast is aimed for independent artists kind of aspiring to be in your position um, and so any kind of, you know, lessons or advice you can give is always really helpful. Sure, dude. I'm, I'm like, there's no secret sauce that I hide. Like I tell <laughs> all, so I'm down. All right, man. Do you want to just give kind of like, um, like tell your story kind of from the beginning and then I'll ask questions as we go. Yeah. So one thing I always leave out in interviews that I made sure I remembered today okay. was that I do have quite a long musical background. Um, I always forget to mention that I played in punk bands growing up. Uh. And because everyone's always like, how'd you start rapping? So I just start from when I started rapping. I actually just played guitar in some punk bands growing up with some friends, nothing buzzworthy. It was from like fourth grade to like seventh grade. And then I started uh, rapping. And what then, kind of guitar did you have? Oh, man, dude, I don't even know what one electric? I had back then. It was oh, yeah, electric. It was okay. like a beginner. I'm sure my parents just gave me like a beginner <laughs> guitar. Yeah. Um, nothing crazy for sure. But and then it just kind of phased out. It was definitely like a phase at first, you know, just with the whole emo scene movement. Mm -hmm. And then I got my first laptop in middle school because everyone's parents, for some reason, think they need a laptop in middle school. And so I got uh, one. Garage band. <clears throat> yeah, I had garage band. I was making beats on garage band because I didn't know you could download them on YouTube mm -hmm. and they were terrible. And my friends and I were just making parody songs. Like I tell people my first song I ever made was called Blow Me For Money as like yeah. a creator. And it was just like terrible kid humor yeah and i just like kind of let it fall back a little bit we were just doing it when we were bored and then i was that kid in high school dude that was just like drunkenly freestyling with people at parties i wasn't trying mm. to like show off but i could i realized i could freestyle a lot better than a lot of kids and then my buddy's older brother <clears throat> was going away to the marines and he was like, I want, I want you to do one thing while I'm gone. And it's just try to take this seriously and see what you can do wow. with it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Why not? Like, let's see where it goes. And then the second I put out that first song, it was like the summer going into my senior year of high school. And I got hooked right away. So hooked that I literally, so I played sports in high school and I had hopefully a big year coming up and was going to get like all these lacrosse scholarships. Mm. And I just told my coaches I quit before the wow. season like I quit all sports stopped everything became super obsessed like even almost became like less social because of how like addicted I was to, like making music yeah and then yeah man ever since then it's just been balls to the walls like dropping as much music as I can I think it's the eighth or I want to say eighth year but it might be the ninth year that I've been putting music out 
Um, and the craziest part is like, I just now think I'm getting good enough to like really take it to the next level, which yeah. is just kind of like a testament, like the 10,000 hour rule, whatever it is, it just takes yeah. like so much time. Um, but yeah, so now we're here. Um, yeah. Was that, was that good enough of a background? Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Um, okay. and I agree like the 10,000 hour rule is pretty, pretty standard for me. What I see is usually about 10 years in, you really become just super proficient. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're a little bit ahead of the curve with the amount of success you've had so fast. And I think it's a testament to that early dedication, you know, where you quit everything. Uh, cause that's kind of, unheard of you know high school is the time to be doing the sports you know talking to girls like just having fun um and then for you to drop everything and jump straight into the music is is awesome and with the guitar stuff i hear that right like that mm -hmm. punk influence is definitely there throughout your music and i think that's um for me at least a part of why i like your music so much because i listened to blink 182 all america rejects green day all that when i was growing up um, so it kind of resonates. Then you have that crossover with the hip hop. So mm -hmm. that's really cool, man. Um, so that was like back in high school. And so what did you start doing after that? So you put out your first song, you got hooked, uh, dropped everything. Then what happened? So I put my first song out. And another thing that I always forget to say in interviews is that when I was in middle school and I got that laptop, I had been a reasonably big YouTuber. I was just oh, making okay. like these sketches and me being the schemey, like business-minded <laughs> kid I was, I would get my friends to click like all the ads on the videos to make me money. Yeah. And they suspended my account and deleted every video. So people are always like, we're gonna go find your sketches. And I'm like, they, they, they don't exist. I've tried to find them. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so I knew how to market on YouTube pretty well. And I had been like the first second I dropped my song, it had done well, it did like 10,000 views on YouTube in like a week. Wow. Um, very mixed reviews was my first song, it was not good. Hmm. but. Uh, so I was pretty good at just like always good at finding ways to like get views. And I would just honestly just spam videos. It's like ridiculous. Like it was the worst, <laughs> but that's what I did. And it was working. Like I would do like sub for sub and like all this weird way back when marketing techniques people were doing yeah. when YouTube was like first coming around and <clears throat> it was cool. Like I got mixed, I got better feedback than I thought I would. Hmm. Um, which was cool. And then my friends were way less supportive than I thought they'd be. <laughs> right. and, and I'm the type of dude where if you like, if they're like, stop doing something, I'm never going to stop doing it just to like be that dude. And it's yeah. like the whole point of my music career is like literally just based around like people said I couldn't do it. So not, I just, <laughs> yeah. I just went and did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never would have been a musician if everyone was super supportive, like right at first. So I'm very happy that I had honest friends. Yeah. Um, it played a huge role, I think in my career. So yeah. And then, so then I went to college and um, got a degree. A lot of people don't know that. I got mm -hmm. a degree in health and human performance and I trained, uh, trained some Washington football players. They were the Redskins at the time, which was a wow. very weird name. But um, <laughs> I literally quit after a month because I hated it and then just hit the full send to LA. And then once I got to LA, it was just kind of like the universe was like, all right, he did it. Let's, uh, let's reward him. And then right wow. when I moved, I had like no money, bro. Everything just like my Spotify just went like exponential growth Yeah. Um, over the next, I mean, even now. So, I mean, it's still going up follower wise, the monthly listeners slow down a bit, but the followers are still flying. Like I get new fans every day and yeah, it's just been a crazy ride that, that four years that I moved to LA, it like definitely had an impact on my sound. Cause I don't know how far back you go with my music, but I got a pretty big buzz as like an NF with Lowry type guy, if you know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like sad, angry Eminem rap. And then <laughs> I actually started hating it like two or three years ago. 
And ever since then, we've been experimenting with like the punk stuff mm-hmm. and like adding the roots back in that feel like homey to me. Yeah. And I'm glad you said you like Blink-182 and all them because like I have some super Blink-182 sounding songs coming. And then actually, once we hit summer, I think the rapping might altogether be stopping and we wow. might hit a full send on a more modern punk with melodic rapping, not like Eminem spit bars, like I want to be the coolest rapper. It's just like, just stuff that feels really good. Yeah. That's just what I'm in the mood to make. So like the rest of the music, I'm, I'm putting out an album now where I rap on it still, but I already have the next project done and there's no rap on it. Hmm. And I personally think it's like miles ahead of anything I've ever made. So like, just exciting, oh. exciting stuff going on. Yeah, that's, so I guess my question then is, the rapping was that something that you felt people wanted or was that something that was in you that you wanted to get out or like why is it no longer part of the music you think yeah so the way what makes the most sense to me is just like i was angry during those times because i was trying to prove this point of like (laughs) i can be this rapper you said i can't be a rapper and then i just got really good at rapping to the point where like not a lot of people could really outrap me to be honest like there's some people that definitely can but like i'm pretty up there i think personally i could be wrong but um it's a mixture of getting bored because you can only get so good at rapping literally there's Uh, a ceiling on it yeah and yeah it just didn't feel like me anymore because as i moved to la and i learned all these hippie things i started like getting into my mental health and like taking care of myself and ate super healthy when i got there and got super into working out again and like all this stuff and i was just like i'm not i'm not mad anymore like making angry music all the time it just didn't feel like it was like as genuine as it did when it first started getting its buzz like i was definitely the dude that was like mad at the world and now I'm just like a dude who enjoys living, like living his life. I have a great life, a great girlfriend, like an awesome dog, great friends. So it's just, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, I make music based on my life around me and, and the punk stuff feels like my life now, just like upbeat. Okay. Yeah. Just carefree stuff. Well, that's, I mean, that's good to hear. I mean, for you as a person, I know art, yeah. like fans always want artists to make very specific things. They want like sometimes sad things so that they can relate and kind of um, mm-hmm. put out that emotion. But as a fan of you as a person, I think that's awesome that you're in a, a happier place. And yeah, I think music should be a reflection of your life and that you shouldn't be forcing any kind of style. So that makes sense. Um you got into mental health and all that. What do you What do you do? Do you have, do you have like uh, meditation? Uh, how do you How do you cope with everything? Um, working out is my biggest thing. Mm. Like I can't sleep if I don't work out. Right. I've always had like a weird sleep issue where I just don't sleep very well. So I like working out to the point where I'm just like dead tired helps a lot. And then so the sleep taken care of from that, and then just like going through the day. Like I start off every morning with like a ten to twenty minute meditation. Mm. Um, what else do I do? There's so much stuff I do. I guess just like keep a good schedule, a good balance between like working and stuff. That's another thing that I'm still pretty bad at, but I've gotten significantly better. <laughs> yeah. Like I would work like 18 hour days, do then just go to sleep and do another 18 hour day and never stop. And now it's just like, once it's like 6 PM, I'm like, shut everything off, right. chill, hang out with friends, like talk to people, build relationships with people. Like, cause those can even help more than uh, work days when it comes to like music and stuff, like being in LA and just having good relationships um so i feel like it's so productive and it helps with that and then just like eating super healthy dude i've always Mm. been super good with that drinking a ton of water and trying not to like take things i look at like i think the biggest thing that switched for me was like looking at life like it's a game Mm. so it's like when i have a bad day it's just like another level i need to beat which sounds like super corny but i fuck with it yeah yeah once once i started getting in like game mode and like realizing bad bad days are like part of leveling up and all this stuff like it kind of just a mindset change too helped a lot 
Yeah. Yeah. I think mindset is super important above everything else, you know, like to not take things too seriously, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps to be in a good place and physical, mental health, uh, super important. And then the balance. I, I love talking about the balance because I always struggle with that too. You know, I'm not an artist, but I work in the music industry. And so I'm always on my phone, always checking DMs. It's nonstop. Um, and then I got a girlfriend. And so now yeah. I got to make some time, you know, in the evenings, like he said, six, that's actually when I put my windows, so like six to nine is when I'm not supposed to touch my phone. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it helps a lot just to, to take your mind off of everything um, and to focus on those relationships. Um, how long have you been with your girlfriend? Uh, we're going to be coming up on two years and two oh. months. So it's been reasonably long time. Yeah, I think I've, I've mixed views on um, relationships while trying to make it in the music industry. What do you think mm. about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, every girl before my current girlfriend was a total struggle and it was a literal yeah. nightmare trying to get them to understand. But yeah. my the, the girl I'm dating now is like amazing. She doesn't care. And she's really good at like, if she knows I'm overdoing my work, she'll literally close my laptop and be like, stop. And like, <laughs> like, she's just yeah. that type of person. And it, it literally just helps me a lot. Um, and she's super punk and like into the music oh, I okay. make. And she's like a huge helping hand. Like I go to her with every song. Mm. Um, but that's the first girl out of many that actually understands it can get very hard with certain people for sure yeah because i feel like if it's not the right person especially and a lot of times it's not you know where they don't understand what it takes um to to make it and a lot of people get stuck in these kind of toxic relationships i feel mm -hmm. um so it's good that you have someone that's like really in your corner um yeah so what do you have coming up now or what's your like um what's on the horizon for you the horizon it looks pretty good uh i have all the music for this year done at this wow. point which is kind of wild and it's more so just because i was so bored with all the quarantine stuff that <laughs> yeah i made so much music and so many of the songs turned out way better than i thought so i just kind of had this like big vault and that's rolling out now i'm just kind of putting them out every other week because i had a little bit of a hiccup on spotify i had i was about to sign a deal with this label and i gave them one song to test to make sure i wanted to sign and they ruined the drop Ooh. And it crashed my whole Spotify. It went from like 650,000 monthly listeners to 400,000 in like 30 days. And I was like, my whole career is over. Like I was freaking out. Yeah. I've never seen, like it drops and it's like all over the place at all times, but it's never dropped that crazy, that right. fast or anything. And so I just started putting out songs every other week to try to build it back up. And I'm back. I hit 500K again today, which right. is nice. Yeah. So it's getting back up there. Um, so I'm just kind of rolling out that vault of songs I'm sitting on. And then I have a really big project coming out starting July mm -hmm. that uh, I'm hoping a good label will pick up. But I mean, I'm not going to be upset if they don't. Like I, I, all last year, I was really trying to get signed. And then I realized I shouldn't be signed yet because I was still figuring stuff out. Mm -hmm. And that, that project coming out in the summer is the I figured everything out project. So I'd love to get some big money behind it if possible. But I mean, either way, like the music's always done numbers. So I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, just like, kind of going for it a little more on the punk side than I ever thought I would. Um, it's a super alternative punk project though. Like we have EDM elements, like a lot of EDM elements mm. we pulled from. We have like kind of that melodic rap we pulled from, but it's a little more punk than what I put out before. And it just feels a lot more natural. And like when people listen to it and they know who I am as a person, they're like, this is totally what you're supposed to be doing as opposed to like <laughs> the music I'm putting out now, which is awesome. I loved making the rap 
rock stuff, like the Lincoln Park sounding stuff. Yeah. But I think that when summer hits, unless some crazy idea concept comes along, I think I'll just be moving forward with more so pop punk with the melodic rap, not angry rapping on tracks. Um, yeah, that's just what I have in mind for now. It could change. Who knows? Yeah. So what, I mean, what happened with the label? Do you know exactly um, how they fucked it up? It's a mix of poor responsibility and like just not knowing what they're doing. A lot of these uh, smaller labels, they're not small, but like they're not like Atlantic Records and, and have millions of dollars they can just throw at me. But like they just had no idea what they're doing. Like, I don't know if you've ever uploaded music to Spotify before or anything. Or, yeah. Oh, you do podcasts. So I don't know if it's the same thing. But um, it's like, you're supposed to do it a couple weeks in advance. So it gets right. to release radar and do all this, whatever. And they definitely didn't. It didn't get into any of my fans release radar. I'll do like wow. 20 to 30,000 streams first day when I drop and it did a thousand or one, one to 2000 the first day. And I was like, hey, this is obviously a huge problem. And they're like, you're right. It's a huge problem. Let's see if we can fix it didn't hear back from them for like a week. I was like, Hey, this is a huge issue. I'm going to take the song down now because you guys ruined it and I'm going to upload it myself. And then they were like, no, we'll fix it. They never fixed it. Then they blamed me and just said the song sucked, uh, which was complete BS. It was like one of the best songs ever I ever made. And then, so I, and, and on top of that, they were promising me they could get me on every playlist I ever wanted to be in. And they got me zero. So I was like, okay, I redropped the song myself two weeks later and I got six Spotify playlists with no label. Yeah. Did normal first day numbers, did everything right. And I just sent it to them and was like, literally, fuck you guys. Like, you were worth it. like <laughs> um, yeah. and so that's just what happened with that. It was like, they have a good reputation too, bro. I was very surprised. They have a lot of my yeah. friends, but I'm not going to say the label just cause I'm supposed yeah. to be like politically correct now, which is, stupid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just weird. Like not taking their responsibility seriously and then not taking accountability for their mess up. And then it was just like, their label man or the label owner called me and said I was being superstitious about the way they do things and that I should just go our separate ways. If I have an issue with them, they were like basically trying to call my bluff thinking I would sign the contract. Uh, and I was like, all right, but like peace out. And then I, yeah, I flexed on them by getting six playlists on the same song. They couldn't uh, get on one. So. Damn. Yeah. Cause I think it's, that's a really important story. Um, for two reasons the first is that a lot of independent artists see signing uh with the label as the long-term goal and mm -hmm. it definitely can be you know if it works out but um the other thing is that in my experience so i manage a few artists so i have done uploads and stuff when we outsource things whatever it may be uh things tend to not work out as well yeah um to where it's almost like if you don't do it yourself you really can't expect that much and i think that the same can kind of go for labels um even though they really should have put everything into this one. This is their, their trial, right? This was their mm. test song, um, but it's not theirs. You know, they don't own it. It's not their art. Um, and so they don't care as much, right? As, as you do as the artist. And yeah, I think it's really important for artists to hear that a label is not always the long-term solution. Um, Cause look at what you've been able to do independently. Uh, I think that's incredible. Um, but yeah, I, are you still looking to sign for a label though? Or what is, what is your plan? Uh, I'm not against it. I'll never go out of my way to like pursue mm. one label to try to sign with them. I was trying to do that for a very long time. And I just learned that that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Uh, go building on top of that. Like you don't need a label and stuff. I obviously have met a lot of people over the years in the music industry. I've had a couple dozen people I know that are signed and I only know two that are happy. Right. So 
on top of that, I do want to be signed eventually, sure, and hand it off and like try to make it bigger and, and try to reach a bigger audience. Yeah. But it's so hard to find a, the, you can get a lot of good deals, but a lot of them have enough money to the point where they'll stop caring about you, even if they gave you tons of money, which is what yeah. I want to avoid. I want to like basically trap a label into like doing what they're supposed to do for yeah. me. <laughs> so yeah. it could be cool to do like a medium sized label short term and then see how we grow from that and then sign on to a bigger label. But I mean, like I said, dude, like these labels now borderline have no idea what they're doing for the most part, besides having big stakes in Spotify stock and stuff. So they can mm -hmm. ask them to put their artists on playlists, which is the biggest thing they can do for artists right now. And like yeah. pay influencers on TikTok. my boy, Arizona blew up from that. But like, right. um, yeah, man, it, a lot of them just have no idea. Like even I, I probably talked to a couple dozen labels last year when I was really trying to get signed. And the more I talked to, I was like, wow, these people have no clue like what's yeah. going on so yeah. it's just it's just like sure label offers are going to come in and i hope i have one that will feel like it works and hopefully it does work but if not it's like nothing anyone needs to stress out over like i used to get super stressed when my friends got signed to crazy deals mm. and then because i was like wow i must not be good enough if they're getting deals why am i not getting deals blah 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 and then six months later they're all unhappy and they're like we're so screwed like we can't drop any music and I can wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm going to drop a song in a week. So yeah. the freedom is like the biggest pro you get being independent. And like, I wouldn't sign to any label until you have leverage too. Cause I have like a terrifying amount of leverage with that hundred million streams. Yeah. So it's like, it's basically like, if you can't get me a hundred million more streams, that's embarrassing. Cause I already did it myself. So like a right. lot of them, even I personally feel like it ruined a lot of potential deals when they like kind of looked me up. Cause they were like, well, there's not much we can do here. We can't screw it. I mean, yeah. yeah, like I grew I, I'm growing more and faster than some of my signed friends. And like, right. I know labels see that. So it's like, there's not much a lot of labels can do in this situation. So it's like, it's good and bad to be here for that reason. But it's obviously better than bad because I'm avoiding bad deals that can't yeah. grow me much. So yeah, and I think I think you're right. Um, a lot of labels kind of don't really know what they're doing. And there's a couple of reasons. So like the people that you're probably interacting with, maybe like on the, the artist outreach division or whatever, they're usually not as knowledgeable as like as you get deeper into the label. Mm -hmm. And then also streaming is so new still. I mean, it's only been like five, maybe 10 years. Um, so they're not used to this current environment and they haven't learned it as well as I feel like some of the independent artists um, have like yourself. Um, and so, yeah, they don't have the same power they used to where it used to be about physical distribution, getting you in studios. Um, you don't need that anymore. Um, and so I think, yeah, their, their leverage isn't as much and they're just trying to figure it out and survive. Um, and try and sign artists and give artists as little as possible, typically, because they're a business. So um, realistically, though, I think it is possible to get a good label deal as long as you know what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of artists don't really understand what that might consist of. So for you, what would you be looking for out of a label deal? Honestly, like, <clears throat> this is how I talk to most labels where I'm just like, I personally have always been super into investing and stuff. Like I am good with money. Like I don't need a big advance. I'm not looking for like a huge fat check that I can go run around, like blow it on a car and jewelry and like clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I like my whole mission and goal of music is always just to make an impact. So it's like, how can you get my music to more ears, the right people that it's meant to hear, like, or that are meant to hear it. Um, I want a huge ad campaign, huge, not anything crazy, just more than I could put in myself um which a lot of labels have and 
it's just like, all I want to do now is grow and the money comes back around from that. So it's just like, if you can help me, you know, get to a million monthly listeners for 500,000, cause you're going to run a huge ad campaign and like get me on TikToks and whatever labels want to do and stuff like that. It's just more of, I would take a growth deal. Yeah. Um, and I also would prefer to do a one-off type deal where it's just mm. like, I give them an EP and then if the EP goes well and it's crushing it and I love everyone, then we'll sign a long-term deal. And we're like, bet we're a team. I'm not really interested on signing immediately into a long-term deal. Even if it sounds great, I need to know I can work with the people that I'm working with. Like people don't realize as independent artists, especially labels still like I grew my audience because of how consistently I drop and I'm not signing to a label. That's going to put a hold on all my music for right. like eight to 12 months while they come up with some plan. Um, and a lot of them have been really cool when I talk to them about it, where I'm just like, like, even now I have everything uploaded until July until that big project's ready. Um, and like, I've talked to a couple even recently where I'm like, I, I have everything for July. So we just need to start planning from there. If, if this happens and they're like, that's cool. You can put out all your music, do what you want. Um, I would need to say in that for sure. I mean, at least one song a month, bro. Like how hard is that yeah. to ask for? And it really is hard to ask some labels for that, which is crazy to me. Because yeah. the way that people like me grow on Spotify is because of our catalog and stuff. And that's literally the moneymaker. And don't they want the moneymaker to keep making money and they'll yeah. try to like slow it all down. So it's just like, I would need them. I would need to talk to all of them. Like I've gone through staffs at some labels, like of just phone calls because they really want me. And then I'll get like four or five people in and I'm like, not the right one not the right one. Um, <laughs> they just, it's so hard to find people with the same mindset and like the, like I can make really good songs often. And mm. a lot of labels don't understand that like the new generation of artists, I'm not special in that. Like I blend in completely every, every artist that did what I did can make really good music often enough that it's like label quality approved. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they still think that we can only, you know, make 10 to 15 songs a year. Hmm. and we'll be like exhausted it's like no we have been doing this for 10 years now we know how to do this like this is what we do um so i think they're having a weird time like coming to terms with that if that makes any sense where it's just like we don't get tired like yeah. these new this new tier of independent artists like we don't get tired we don't burn out um yeah i don't know so it's just like it would have to be a mix of all those and that sounds pretty picky, but I mean, I've had terrible experiences like with that last one because I tried to not do it that way mm. and it ended terribly. So I'm a yeah. pretty picky guy when it comes to labels. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's important um, for you to know exactly what you want, because if you don't, then you're more open to them taking advantage of you or ending up in a deal where you're not happy. And I think it is really important that you experience, you know, your friends getting signed and then seeing how those deals went wrong and learning from that, um, from their experience. Um, with the, the partnership thing, I like to, I like Russ's story. Um, so mm -hmm. he built up a catalog, brought that leverage to a label and eventually signed a partnership deal, which I believe was just for one project, um, to where they would split it 50, 50, and then they'd put a lot of money into the exposure, um, and get him, you know, bigger audience. And I think that's kind of the way to go, you know, that mm -hmm. way you still have your independent catalog that you're eating, eating off of after the label deal. Um, and then the other thing you said that I love is that you have all your music already uploaded through summer. Um, mm -hmm. So with that, what does what does your schedule look like? What do you do on a daily basis if the music's done, music's uploaded? Um, what's a normal day like uh, with that? That's what I'm currently struggling with, to be honest. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with all this free time. Uh, I like to do investing stuff, like I said, but that doesn't take up much time. And then 
honestly, like I've just been, I'm on the East coast right now. I've been here back and forth mainly here though, since September, but we're getting ready to drive back to LA this Sunday okay. actually. And honestly, bro, I'll probably just write more music wow. so that if I, if the label stuff does come up, we'll just have a stockpile of everything. Like I almost signed to that one label that cr uh, crashed my Spotify. And if I did, I would have had all my music done for the deal already, which is hilarious. Cause it's like, <laughs> I would just sign and not have to work and just be like here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd be great to end up in one of those scenarios if I do sign down the line, but also uh, I've been working with this guy, Jaden Seeley, who's in this band with confidence and he's a fucking legend to me. Hmm. And he's getting me really into just writing. So it's like, I might just start trying to write for other people. Um, just anything around like creativity and music like i'm there so yeah so besides the music uh do you do any of those other things where you offer services or songwriting for other people or um is it mostly your career that, that you're working towards it's been mostly my career now but now that i have the free time i'm kind of trying to dive in and just kind of see what that side of the industry is like yeah um i have a really cool guy he's like my friend alex but he's also my lawyer and we're talking about just like approaching publishers and being like, Hey, this kid has a hundred million streams, no marketing. Like he's a great writer. Do you guys want to do like a publishing deal and put him in some rooms? Like I'd be super open to that. Yeah. Um, nothing for my music though. It would just be specifically to write. So it's like, it'd be like a very specific type of deal. Um, so we're thinking about doing stuff like that just to see and test the waters who knows, but yeah, I'd be super open to like working on other people's music. Like it's so cool yeah. to have someone let me entrust me to write them a good song. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, to have that freedom and then the skill set to be able to do other things in the music industry, I think that's really important. And it helps you make other connections and other relationships with other artists and, and whoever. Um, so Alex is your lawyer. I think that's pretty cool. A lot of independent artists have no legal advice. Mm -hmm. um, so it, along the way, has Alex helped you with... Um, I don't know any of the legal stuff or like any giving you any advice um, that helped you. So <clears throat> I say lawyer and in like the, the, in the entertainment industry, lawyers are very different than your regular lawyer. Yeah. I think just on my experience, cause like my friend's lawyer got him signed to the president of Atlantic just cause he knew him. Wow. Um, they like pitch you to labels and stuff. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them that are really cool. Like, like Alex, they do. So I picked Alex up basically because I was, I really thought I wanted to be signed once Corona hit. And then he got me so many phone calls and talked to so many labels and just like the entire year, only for us to both be like, I don't want to sign. We're not ready yet. <laughs> and then, so now, now that I have that big project coming in the summer, I sent it to him last week. And now we're just kind of like picking up where we left off with that and like resending it to all the same people that were interested and in. they're taking it uh, a lot more serious and just like more excited about it and being like, wow, this is something new. Like we can do a lot more with this than what we could before and, and stuff like that. So yeah, having a lawyer is really cool when you're ready to be signed. But like mm -hmm. I said, it took me 10 years to get ready. So don't waste your money because these yeah. days are freaking expensive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's worth it if the music's ready for sure to have a lawyer and just to have someone, even a manager, like Alex is not my manager, but he's basically acting as my manager right now mm -hmm. um, by doing stuff like that. So it's cool. He's the man. Right. Yeah, I think that is important. Um, have you had other people like that you consider part of your team kind of help you along the way over the past few years? Or has it been mainly just you? The only like, quote unquote, team I would say I have is this one super consistent producer, Andrew. Uh, he goes by Nola for the middle child. Now, if anyone's listening, listen to his music. It's incredible. And then my videographers, Casey and AJ, they're like my really good friends. They've shot every video for me for the past four years as well. Wow. Um, 
but now, yeah, like I said, like with trying to take stuff more seriously, I'm trying to bring this like super uh, well-respected manager on board. He's super interested. And then like having Alex in my corner and yeah. then just like pitching the project to the right labels to try to like really get on the industry side and see how I like it. Um, and if I don't, I'll just go back to doing everything alone and just ride it out until I'm done. So we'll yeah. see. Wow, man, this is, I mean, I'm on the outside, but this sounds like a really exciting time for you where things are starting to come together, getting this team ready. Um, you, you had pitched to labels last year, but it didn't work out. But now you're kind of on that precipice of where it might happen again. Um, do you ever just step back and kind of think about like, holy shit, like I'm Ryan Oaks. I got a hundred million streams. I'm going to sign to a label. Maybe like, do you think about that? That's a really funny question. I was just talking about this. I've talked about this with a bunch of people recently where it just like, like it hasn't really hit me. Like, it's so weird. Like it, nothing feels real anymore. And that sounds like kind of depressing, but it's not, it's not as depressing as it sounds. It's like super, it's just like, I'm trying to find the right words to explain it. When I see like the hundred million streams thing, I'm just like, you just like, you just don't think it's real. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I get you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just me thinking that I have a lot more to accomplish and stuff and to just keep my head down. I've always been bad at like celebrating wins because mm -hmm. I always have like my eye on the next prize, but um, yeah, it's crazy. Like a hundred million streams. If I told myself that when I was, you know, making that first song, I would have probably shit myself, <laughs> especially yeah. if I said there was no record label involved. Right. Um, yeah. It's definitely crazy. And like, even when I take a step back of everything happening now, I was like talking to my girlfriend about it. We were like, nothing feels real. Yeah. Like it all just feels like, not like I'm in a dream, but kind of mm. where it's like, you just can't believe it. It's very interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it'll hit me one day, but as of now, it hasn't hit me at all. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's good. I mean, there's, I can see both sides. Like for me, I like to try and celebrate things as they happen. You know, I say celebrate things that you want to see more of, um, but also by not celebrating and just staying focused, you keep moving, you know, you never mm. stop and, and get complacent. And I think that's important. Um, have you toured? I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, dude, I've done a bunch of tours. Okay. I did one with this dude, Ryan Caraveo. That was my first tour. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I started doing like a bunch of runs with people my size, like Justin Stone, right. Dylan Reese. I don't know if you've heard of Dylan yeah. Reese. Abstract. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do a lot of touring last year and try to get on with some punk bands, but obviously Corona ruined that. So when that's a thing again and we can tour i'm gonna basically be trying to just jump on tour with as many punk bands as i can and now i have the connections for that too which is freaking awesome yeah. there's this dude that is the president of hopeless records this dude named eric tobin and he is just helping me out just to help me he doesn't want me to sign to them like he's just a sick dude with a lot of punk connections and i have these people that did warp tour that are interested in helping me and like all kinds of cool stuff. So when touring's a thing again, it'll get very interesting. I want to have like a whole band this time, not just be some dude rapping on stage. Hmm. Uh, at least have a drummer. And then maybe if the money's there, a guitarist, but I doubt the money will be there for the first tour because I want to see how it goes. So probably just a drummer. And then hopefully I'll get good enough at guitar again where I can play most of my songs. I can oh, play shit. a chunk of them. Um, and I just like to play guitar with my fucking sister. That'd be sick. Yeah. So yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, were you touring... Well, when was your last tour, I guess? Dude, it's, uh, I had one in April and then the shutdown stopped it of last year, oh. but I was touring in the, in February leading up oh. to March, right before the shutdown. And I was doing, I did like, I was going to do like five or six Midwest shows, but only two of them ended up happening. And I was with Justin Stone again, and we did like Boise, Idaho and mm. somewhere in Nebraska. And they were actually like, so packed. It was kind of crazy. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a year since I toured, I think, last week. So it hasn't wow. been too long. 
So, yeah. So where were you um, when you kind of found out that things were starting to shut down, that there weren't going to be shows, that your tour was going to get canceled? Dude, I was at my surprise birthday party for my birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like in the middle of March. My birthday's March 10th, but my girlfriend waited like nine days to throw it. So I wouldn't expect it, which was really uh -huh. funny. Um, and everyone screamed surprise. And I had like been Ubering to her house because I thought it was just like a couple's drinking night with a couple couples. Yeah. And I had been uh, reading stuff in the Uber on the way over. And it's like Los Angeles shut down, like borders closed, like pandemic. <sighs> And then I looked up from my phone and everyone screamed surprise. And I was like, the first words I said to my girlfriend were like germs. Like I was like, people, germs, like pandemic. What are we supposed yeah. to do? Uh, yeah, I was at my own surprise party. That's a funny story. Wow. Damn. So was it at that point, was the reality sinking in that your tour was going to get canceled when you got to that, that party? I had been talking. It was like, I keep saying Justin Stone, but it was with Justin Stone. And I had been texting him about it. And we were like kind of calling it where we were like, this is seems like it's going to be a lot bigger than people are saying like yeah. in the middle of february when it was like kind of sketchy but like wasn't quite in america a lot yet yeah and i was like i was like hey uh this looks like it's going to be pretty bad what do you think and he was like there's no way we're going to be able to do this april tour so we had it in the back of our minds and then the second that they started like putting things on lockdown i was like i'm out like pull yeah. it pull the shows i'm not doing them um and we wouldn't have been able to do them too. Eventually they closed venues down like right before we would have gone on tour. But funny story. I think that I might've had Corona on a different tour. <laughs> I toured with my uh, buddy, Mike's dad. He does like uh, rap metal now, but mm. he's like a big influencer that actually makes good music. So he's like doing well with that. Um, and we hit a tour and we were sick like the entire month after he lived with me at the time too. Yeah. And with all the same symptoms. So, and now they're saying it was like in the U S in like November and all this stuff. So who knows what the true story is, but like, I might've already had Corona on that tour. Who knows? Wow. Okay. So one thing I got to ask, cause you keep mentioning all these names of like all these people that you've met. Um, and I think relationships are so important, uh, especially in this industry. Um, where did a lot of these connections come from for you? Was it from touring or emailing or how did that happen? Dude, me and, um, I'm sure you, do you know who Arizona Service is? The Roxanne yeah, song, yeah. that kid? Okay. I actually me had and, DMs with him from like a couple of years ago. And then I messaged him again after Roxanne blew up. He never read it, but it was like, we- I'm sure, we dude, he probably can't even see his DMs now. He's so big. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so me, him, and this other kid named Connor, if you don't know who Connor is, you should check out his music. Mm. We all were really good about from the get-go, like eight, we'd known each other for eight years and I've been making music together for eight years those kids and I were always really good about reaching out to people and we started building a lot of relationships pretty early they did the groundwork for me and moved to LA like 10 months before I did okay. and then uh so I basically got thrown in with their group of friends when I got there which was incredible like I didn't have to worry about making friends and then from there just like going out at parties finding people's music and dming them taking advantage of that good old blue check mark right um yeah, like we've always been good. And like everyone in the underground scene that's like coming up or about to blow up, like we all know each other. Yeah. There's places in LA where every artist hangs out anyway. Like there's this place called On the Rocks where like people from, you know, a quarter of my size to Post Malone just go every weekend, literally. And you're just around them every weekend. And it's so wow. weird to see like Youngblood and Machine Gun Kelly running around and like <laughs> doing dumb shit, um, hanging off like the Raptors and all this. But yeah, it's just like LA is just like that kind of hub. 
and you just kind of meet people like that. And then there's just good people in the industry, dude. There's not a lot of them, but there's some really good ones. Like I was telling you about that guy at Hopeless Records, Eric Tobin. Yeah. He plugged me with the guy I made that game-changing project with that I'm going to drop this summer. And that was the golden ticket connection, I think, that I finally got mm. after being in LA for four years, going out every weekend, meeting people, like putting the groundwork in. Uh, it took a long time, but it's going to be very worth it, man. This producer that I'm working with, I, I said his name already, Jaden Seeley. Like yeah. I told him already, that man's going to change my life. Like he's that good. And wow. we work so well together and just have a chemistry that like, you can just tell there's something out of the ordinary there. So I'm very excited to see how like people react once they hear it. Yeah. So do you guys work in the studio together or, I mean, how's it been with COVID and all that? Yeah, we both. So my girlfriend's immune compromised. I've always been super safe. Jaden is just like the kind of dude where he's like a nice guy. So he's going to be safe and like take it super seriously. Um, I, I feel like I work kind of different or used to at least. I used to just have producers make me beats in person and I wouldn't write to them. Like I would just help them build the beat out and not worry about writing and then record over it later by myself. The one that I made, that's the game changer. We did it completely different. Sometimes I showed up with the song already written with no beat and it, and they turned out like incredible and he would build the beat around it. Yeah. Um, just cause he could like hear by ear the key I'm singing in and like all this crazy stuff, like just like so talented. And then other ones we would just build from the ground up from start to finish in a day. Like he'd build the beat. I'd write the lyrics while he built the beat. He'd record me, then he'd mix it down and then we'd be done. And then we just did three straight weeks of that bro from like 10 AM to 7 PM for three straight weeks. We went in and did a bunch of songs, picked the best six. And yeah, that's how, that's what we're sitting on now. And I'm very excited about it. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, super important i mean to find people that you work with well in this industry and especially when they're actually involved in the actual music that you're making um how'd you how'd you meet him the so i was gonna sign i wasn't gonna sign but i've been talking to hopeless records about signing like a year or so ago or a little more of a year ago like or less than a year ago like eight months but um it just didn't end up working out and it wasn't any hard feelings type situation we were all just like this kind of seems like it's too early to be a thing. So like, let's just kind of wait and see what happens. And they really did want to help me, which was amazing. Cause I don't hear much labels that if you politely decline their initial offer to you, they're like, it's okay, we'll help you anyway. <laughs> uh, they did. And they gave me, they just gave me their best producer wow. and he's like, so good. It's crazy. That's yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's the universe working in your favor because absolutely. Yeah. Grinding. Um, all right. So, has there been any kind of like negativity in your life in the last couple of years or like things that went wrong that you want to share? Cause I know Instagram, social media is all about the wins and stuff, but I like to kind of figure out, you know, behind the scenes. The biggest struggle for sure was the Spotify crash thing. Like that was the craziest thing I've ever had to deal with. I had been like super financially stable off music for like three years. And then it just happened overnight. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, am I going to, just be this kid that never blew up like Spotify crashes. I'm sure, you know, like with algorithms and stuff, I thought it was ruined. Yeah. I thought when I dropped, they wouldn't even like show people anymore and all this crazy stuff, but I just put out a bunch of songs and it's, it's a slow recovery process, but hopefully in like another two or three months, it'll be back up over that 600,000 number. Mm. And I mean, the biggest other obstacle was just not having the right people in your corner. Mm -hmm. um, you got to be careful because like, a lot of producers that I was working with just wanted to work with me because they know it would stream well and they'd make money for my songs and they didn't really care about like 
the biggest thing for me is like chemistry with producers and they didn't care about it. Like I worked with a lot of people that I hated working with, but their beats were good. So I was like trying to just like keep working with them. And then my boy, Andrew came along who I said, produced most of my songs until now Jaden. But um, yeah, he's like my best, one of my best friends. And it's just like fucking around making music every time. Um, And the song sounded a lot better when I did that. And then, yeah, I mean, I kind of went off tangent there, but I no, hope that made good. somewhat sense. Yeah. Um, what's your uh, process like? I know you, you said you write your songs sometimes ahead of time. Now you're working with this producer. And then also, um, do you mix yourself or like, do you ever, have you ever dabbled in producing or is it mainly the songwriting that you focus on? Dude, I can make really good beats. Uh, the song, the last song I dropped last week, I made the whole beat for. Um, I got super into producing over quarantine. And then once I started working with Jaden again, I kind of took a, a break from it just because, you know, he's that good and I'm nowhere near that good yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like when I get back to LA and stuff, I'll for sure still dabble with producing. And like, even if I make a beat and I'm like, it's not there, I'll take it to another producer to reproduce and make it sound more full. Like I've done that a lot. Um, mixing never had my interest just because I don't think I have good ears, bro. Like, I don't think I have, I don't think I have the ability to like hear those frequencies and like take them out. It sounds weird, but a lot of people or artists I talked to are like, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, I just trust other people to do that stuff, but yeah, I'm definitely down to keep producing for myself and stuff like that. Do you have a reliable mix engineer? Cause I I think that's one of the things people struggle with often is when they're coming up, they're trying to mix their own stuff. It doesn't sound good. Then they try hiring someone and then that doesn't even turn out good. And they kind of get discouraged. Do you have some guy that you've used for a long time or. I have switched between a bunch. I use this kid, Nico. He was another kid I came up with, with like Arizona. And now he does like little skies and like all these huge people. So he's just like his price went up, which I understand like it's all good um and then my boy zero who's like a really good artist he's he had been an engineer since he was 13 in studios like he's wow. really freaking good at mixing and he gave me the homie discount and was mixing all my songs for like 50 bucks each which is <laughs> disgusting and they sounded great and then i used my boy andrew that was producing a lot and then now i have stumbled upon like this rock guy that he's yeah. in vegas his name's curtis and he's incredible at what he does um so he just knows more about the music i'm making so i use him and yeah, man, I've always been good at finding people that are good at mixing because I know how much of a pain it can be. Yeah, I would recommend people just try it first and see if they can do it because it really does save that much more money you can put into other stuff when you're like struggling to come up and stuff. Um, I just feel like I got lucky the entire time with that. Like nothing <laughs> that I've had to get mixed has really broken my wallet. Okay. Um, yeah, that's just where I'm at with those. Yeah, and I think, yeah, mixed quality is, it's super important to a degree, like as long as it sounds pretty good, I think usually you can get away with it. But then getting to that next level of like radio play or labels, um, you really got to have good sounding shit. And a lot of people, that's that's where they miss, you know, because they don't want to mm-hmm. invest in it or they just don't know anyone who could mix for them. Um, so I think it is super important to find uh, solid mix engineers. Um, so where are you now? You said you're on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm in my mom's basement in Virginia. Uh, okay. I've been chilling here. We basically just left LA because of how bad Corona was. Right. And like I said, my girlfriend's immune compromised potentially. Like mm. she has, she had some medical history that might make it a lot worse. So we're just kind of trying to be safe about it. Okay. And um, 
yeah, we're going to drive back. We kind of thought we would avoid it if we came back here for like six months and then we did and now we're driving back and it's worse. So it's like, <laughs> whatever. It was cool to spend uh, time with our family, but like, it's hard, it's harder for me to work here just because like I'd be recording in my mom's closet upstairs and yeah. it's like, I'm not trying to do that. I'm about to be 26. I don't want to be in my mom's closet recording. So we're just trying to get back to being like productive and like somewhat daily routines. And we think that being in LA will help a lot with that. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's kind of crazy the way everything just stopped. Um, But I think it's awesome that you got to spend time with family. I know that's been one of the struggles for most people, including myself, is that during these times you can't really travel to go see your family most of the time, Mm. but it's awesome that you're able to. Um, So when you get back to LA, what do you think might, change just more recording or um what would your life look like when you get back i think i'm gonna try to switch up my process a little bit i really liked how i was saying like i would come in with songs fully written and the beats would be built around them i'm gonna try to write like a whole project with no beats Mm -hmm. it sounds crazy like but (laughs) the way these songs turned out when we did it that way like you can hear the miles of difference between them Mm -hmm. um so that's cool. I never really thought that you could build a beat around just vocals. And I think the beats turn out a lot better because you can like put the vocals in pockets and build the beats around them in certain pockets oh, and frequencies yeah. and like all this engineering nerd stuff that uh, that kid Jaden was trying to teach me that didn't make sense in my head, but um, they turn out way better. So what I'm going to do, I think, is I'm just going to write a lot of songs with no beats, record them, mix my vocals a little bit. I can mix them to the point where they sound okay. Um, and then bring in engineers and producers and be like, make a song with this. This is my challenge for you and yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> and then I think I'm going to move to Nashville in the fall. Hopefully I can buy a house by then. We'll see. And then hopefully I'll have a spot in LA still who knows. And yeah, just kind of wing it to be honest. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You got some good plans in the works. Um, Okay, another thing I want to ask you about is uh, like your fan base and how you interact with them. Are they, I, I assume that touring had a large impact, right? Like when you get yeah. to meet people on the road at shows, um, that can really strengthen those in-person relationships. Um, but for you, like how do you manage your fan base? Because you're at this level now where you have a lot of people who want to hear from you. They want to talk to you. They want to listen to you. Um, do you focus on that? I'm going to give an answer that a lot of artists are going to hate me for because I am at a level larger than most people that act like they can't answer DMs and I could still answer every DM and not be stressed about it. So like another thing that I think helped a lot was that I literally respond to every single message still. Mm -hmm. And I have a number now where fans can text me and I respond to every text message. Um, Yeah, man, I don't think even someone double my size with the double amount of fans, I don't think that's overwhelming. So I think they're just being lazy and don't care. Yeah. Which a lot of people are going to be mad that I said, but it's (laughs) like, dude, there's no way that some of these artists that pretend they can't answer DMS and they're so busy and popping, like there's no chance. That's true. Like I can answer every DM I have within like 20 or 30 minutes a day and just be done with it. Make someone's day. Yeah. Have them tell their friends I messaged them. It's like marketing, bro. They're going to freak out and tell their friends I messaged them back. Their friends are going to follow me. Like, I think you're just shooting yourself in the foot if you don't take time to respond to the people that are literally your source of income. Like, why would you not do that? Man, I love that. I'm I'm so glad you said that um, for a couple of reasons. But the first is that that's my number one advice to all independent artists is every single person who 
comments on your post, who watches your story, who DMs you, just message them and say, thank you for the support, you know? Mm. And then also with, um, you know, messaging your fans back. And like you said, making their day, that's huge because most people um, who aren't in the music industry, they never get to talk to artists. And so mm. when they're listening to Ryan Oaks and they're like, oh, I love the song, they go find you on Instagram, they DM you and they get a response back. They are going to run into all their friends because now they're like, Oh, I know him. I've talked to him, you know, and they're going to brag to their friends like, oh, yeah, I was talking to Ryan Oaks the other day, you know, <laughs> and, and it'll really spread, um, spread the music and, and grow the fan base. So I think that's great. And yeah, I think it's an ego thing. You know, a lot of people mm. are like, oh, I'm popping now. I, I don't got time for this. And, and they almost make a point to to make it seem like they're too busy to respond. Like it's a cool kind of badge. I think a shift even is going to happen where like people just stop making people like that famous. Like everyone's just going to be so sick of celebrities in general, mm -hmm. dude. Like I, I've always thought this where it's like celebrities don't care. Like I've never gotten starstruck. Wasn't starstruck around Post Malone. I fell asleep drunk on his shoulder in a bar, apparently. <laughs> uh, like talk to people like they're normal and even they appreciate it. Like some of these people I've met, um, Bro, like fucking Justin Bieber was at this bar by himself. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you here by yourself? And he was just like, I'm chilling. And I was like, all right, do your thing. <laughs> like, just like talking to people like they're normal is always a big thing for me. And I think that there will be a shift, whether it's 10 years from now or whenever. Anyway, people are going to stop caring that people are in a movie mm -hmm. and like being starstruck by them. They're just going to be like, dude, you killed in the movie. Like, nice to meet you. And like, I hope that the era of caring who a Kardashian's dating Bro. dies because <laughs> it is so pointless and I can't wrap my head around why people care, but I'm hoping, at least I'm hoping there's a shift. So we'll see. Yeah. I think, I think that's optimistic. Um, I think yeah. for, for you, you are living the life that you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're chasing after your passion, you're becoming successful with it. Um, and a lot of the majority of people, the vast majority don't, um, you know, they get stuck in the day job. they, say oh maybe i should try this and then they talk themselves out of it and they never after actually go after what they want um and because of that they can only live vicariously through other people right and like you said like oh, who, oh kim kardashian's dating someone now it's like that's all they get um because not to be mean but their life doesn't have as much meaning because they forgot to go after what they really wanted mm -hmm. um i think it would be great if we had that shift and i think People like you um, who, you know, do become successful and then still interact with the people who support them. I think that there's no reason that shouldn't be um, the majority of the successful people, you know, because why would you want to support someone who would never respond to your DMs? That doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me. It sounds messed up, dude. But even if I had like a million followers and a million DMs, they would stress me out if I didn't answer all of them. So I'd probably have to like hire someone to make sure these kids didn't feel left out to like help me respond to DMs because like yeah. that's just weird behavior to me. So yeah. I'll never relate with it. Uh, we'll see if it gets to a point where I can never message them, but I'm sure I'll figure out a way. So, yeah. well, the text thing is a great idea, I think. Um, and then it's, you know, it works in your favor if you ever need to send out a message or something like a new drop. But um, yeah, so your birthday's coming up. Do you have any big yes. plans? Another nine day surprise party? Uh, no, not with the COVID <laughs> stuff. Um, we'll probably get back to LA a couple of days before my birthday. And honestly, like, I don't really care about my birthday that much. Oh. I'm I'm down to just chill. I'll probably have like a friend or two over, um, just kick it. Maybe ha they'll have their girlfriends. My girlfriend will be there and just get a little drunk or something, but yeah. nothing crazy. Are you a partier or not really? I was, dude. And then 
I took a really long break from alcohol and accident. Like when quarantine started, me oh. and my girlfriend had been going out a lot just because there was a lot going on right before Corona happened. Coincidentally, probably like three nights a week, honestly, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we go out. And then quarantine started, there was nothing to do. I didn't really see a reason to drink. And I took like three or four months off drinking. And then I went to get super drunk again. And it just like ruined it forever for me from how bad it made my body feel. Like, I guess yeah. I felt what it felt like to not drink for a long time. And yeah. when I drank again, I like couldn't sleep for a couple of days and like all this weird stuff. So it kind of messed up the partier in me. Um, whether or not I go back to it when quarantine's over because I've been trapped inside for so long and just want to do it, mm -hmm. have fun, we'll see. But like right now, I'm not, I'm, I'm just like weirdly not a fan of alcohol. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think... I mean, myself too, but I think a lot of people took that time um, when lockdown started, like, okay, um, I can't go out and drink. I can't go hang out with people. Um, maybe I should try and get healthier, you know, whatever the reason. Um, and I took a couple months off drinking too. And yeah, the difference you feel from not drinking and you don't even really notice it, but when you start drinking again, it's like, oh my God, this is how I used to feel all the yeah, time. It's um, crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then tour is a big, a big part of that, right? Like when you go on tour, typically you're drinking most of the nights, um, mm -hmm. at least in my experience. Uh, do you think you'll get back into that, um, that kind of routine when that opens up? It's hard to say. I have been absolutely blacked out at shows before. I've been pretty sober at shows before. I've done sober shows before, I think, <laughs> I, I hope, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. We, I talked to a bunch of my friends too, like that Jaden kid I've been working with. And he's like the same way he was like, he does so he tours and does like thousand cap rooms and, and he has people there. And he was like, yeah, we get fucked up like three months straight. So next time I tour, I think I'm just going to see if I can do it sober. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see though. Like it's so nerve wracking, dude. I, I don't know about other people, but I get so anxious before I perform. I'm like, why are these people here to just sit there and watch me on a stage? <laughs> um, I mean, maybe a drink or two, but I don't think that I'll be like super turning up. I never really did, to be honest. My go-to pre-performance ritual was just three rum and Diet Cokes. Okay. And I just have like a decent buzz going, drink those over like two hours, get like kind of buzzed and then just go do it. And that was pretty yeah. much it. Wow. Did you have stage fright? Was that a part of your journey? Uh, I think it's kind of bullshit if any artist says they don't have stage fright. I just can't wrap my head around not being anxious before a show with people like screaming your name and chanting your name. It's like a lot of pressure to like really perform well. Yeah. Um, I don't say it's not like stage fright. I love being on stage and it feels supernatural for me, but it's just like, I've always had anxiety and I'm always going to uh, have anxiety. So it's just yeah. like, just that I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's gotta be tough to get over. <laughs> Um, especially with shows, but I, I feel you. I mean, I'm, my birthday's March 1st. So I guess technically we're in the same horoscope or whatever, what that's yeah. worth, but I'm kind of, I'm an introvert and I kind of have anxiety, especially for like phone calls. Like even before this, um, any kind of stream or interview, I always get kind of nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have to like take a second. Um, but yeah, anxiety is definitely, uh, something you have to get over in this industry, especially cause you gotta be extroverted, um, when it counts. Um, do you get yourself? an extrovert yeah uh dude no i'm like the most introverted introvert okay. i don't like to leave my house i i go to parties because i know i shouldn't socialize but i don't want to be there um and the hardest part honestly my whole music journey is like getting over my completely irrational fear of flying oh, i wow. hate flying in planes i've flown in over 100 planes at this point and it gets worse every single time yeah don't know why i had a kind of a 
tragic experience on an airplane before, oh. but nothing to the point that it would scare me from flying. This what dude happened? basically stood up on a flight. I had, it was my senior year again, going back to senior year of high school. This dude stood up on a layover I had in Atlanta and was like saying his phone was going to go uh, blow up the plane. Oh, and shit. he was clearly just super mentally ill. Like there's no way this dude was a terrorist, but he was like, we were pulling out of the gate to take off. And he started pacing down the aisle and like praying and saying his phone was going to blow the plane up. So I had to be the guy that fucking rang the button for the flight attendant to come sprinting down. And she was like, we're taking off. I can't come down. And I was like, nope, you got to come down right now and stop this plane. <laughs> yeah. And the fucking SWAT team raided it. Uh, search dogs sniffed everything. Um, but I don't think that would give me reason to be afraid of flying because the problem got solved and it wasn't like a near death experience, but like, yeah, dude, I hate planes. It's still like traumatic. Passion. That's yeah, still for traumatic. sure. Uh, do you, did you have a fear of flying before that or was it after that? I don't remember having anxiety. I think that I was always a little nervous, but, uh, it, that probably amplified at times 10. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, well, shit, man. It's been about an hour and that's usually when I like to wrap these up. Um, especially just sure. starting now with these podcasts, but, uh, Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, I'm glad we got to get to know each other a little bit better and hopefully we can stay in touch, maybe do another one of these later on. Um, I'd love to find out, um, you know, if you do get signed to a label, if you have those talks and then with the project coming in July, what's that? Do you have a name for it yet? Uh, right now it's called the best day of my life, but it is subject to change based on like labels and stuff. So we'll see. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's exciting, man. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, appreciate you taking the time, man.